Welcome to Catch Outdoors. I'm your host, Captain Rob Modis. Contact email catchoutdoors at gmail.com. The website's catchoutdoors.com. The Facebook page is Catch Outdoors. Got a couple of books available on Amazon Kindle. Thanks much to everyone that's purchased both Bridge to Paradise and What I Know About Fishing Southwest Florida. Now working on number three, hard to believe. <laughs> yes, it's so. I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, really. Today's episode is number 30. That's also hard to believe. Random Thoughts, part three. Yes, there's a one and a two you can go back and review. This is uh, usually when I can't decide what to do, and I have a whole bunch of ideas, and I go, we'll just do a little bit of each one. So Random Thoughts it usually winds up being a great deal of fishing, so hang in there. Um, and other things. Well, Yeah, whatever. Just a note here, you can go to the website, catchoutdoors.com, and find a list of all those previous podcasts and listen to them directly here, there. <laughs> I guess it's there, actually. At the bottom of the list, there will be an upcoming podcast, unless I change my mind, which not usually, but uh, it's, it's fun being my own boss. I can actually control this any way I like. Also, by no means did last week's podcast say don't become a captain or a fishing guide. I got lots of email. Thank you. Thank you, guys and gals. Um, it actually said it's tough to get that job and even tougher to do it successfully. And I got that point across to a good many all, but just a couple were like, what? It's, it's okay. It's okay, man. It's, it's okay. It was pointed out to me via a couple of notes from other guide friends. I, I didn't mention the value of advertising and the cost. And they were absolutely right. Um, sometimes the most expensive thing you can do to drive business to a new business, especially, is advertising. And advertising is not cheap. Um, most people look at uh, Facebook and Instagram because it's free and it's easy. But the reality is Facebook and Instagram targets only your people. It doesn't really target too far out that unless one of your kind folks shares it out onto their site, et cetera, et cetera. Or somebody, some big name likes it and picks it up, then yeah, it can be really good. But the majority of posts, you know, if, you, if you're going fishing and you're posting pictures of your fish on Facebook every day, most of the people that see this are your friends, uh, not, not the wild, wild world. And the only way to get it out into the world is advertising and advertising ain't cheap. So yes, got to put that in your budget too. <laughs> Sorry to break that to you. Today's topic, or should I say topics, random thoughts, part three is going to be in, in you know, several pieces. So uh, here we go. It's April. It's the middle of April. Hope you got your taxes done. Well, they're due. Actually, you get three extra days because of Easter this year. You don't have to uh, try to fight your way through the, uh, the huge... Uh, Cut off at the 15th, so I guess that's good news, huh? Yeah, this year you had till the 18th, so of course that'll be gone by the time you listen to this. <laughs> Better get on it. Um, random thought number one: We live in a we live in a really beautiful place. I was I was like out and about this week, uh, doing a bit of driving around uh, down to the beaches, uh, out along US one and along A one A, and just. Looking around and thinking, man, it's April and it's it's so pretty now. All the leaves on the trees have come back out. Yes, we lose leaves on some of our trees. Not all of them, but a good many. But they're starting to come out. Um, palm trees are like full. 
never-ending horizon of, of a sunrise in the morning and sunsets in the evening, if you don't mind driving just slightly across Broward County to the uh, Everglades. Wow, there's some spectacular sunsets over the Everglades, right? really and truly. It's easily as good as anything I saw over the Gulf of Mexico, minus the green flash. Yes, there's a green flash. I've seen it twice, possibly three times out of the corner of the eye, but, but at least twice. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, go on the web, look up green flash. It's a, it's a phenomenon that happens over the Gulf of Mexico. Everything's got to be perfect. Water's got to be really calm, generally. Uh, skies have got to be fairly clear. Sun goes down. And what they believe it is, it's basically a, uh, uh, the light breaking through the surface of the Gulf of Mexico as it goes over the horizon. And it literally creates a prism effect of a, of a green flash. And it's pretty spectacular when it happens. Uh, we're surrounded by water. Well, yeah, actually we are here, more or less. We got the glades on one side. That's water. It's a river of grass. We've got the ocean, and then down below us here we have Florida Bay and the Florida Keys and more Atlantic Ocean as it wraps around the state of Florida. I can't I can't complain. We live in a place where people spend thousands of dollars to visit for a week or two. And every now and then when things are difficult and, and weird and and I'm going, gosh, you know. I really, I really want to go somewhere. I don't like this place. I hardly ever say that, but it does happen. You, know, you get tired of the heat sometimes, and you want to get out from under it. But then you look around and you see, you see a couple walking the beach, and you realize that they're paying two hundred seventy, two hundred eighty, three hundred dollars a night for a hotel for a week. <laughs> wow, and airfare, and transportation, and car, and all the, and and I'm like, and meals. I'm like, wow, man, you know, we live here. I can walk down to the beach anytime I want to and hang out on the beach, lay out there half a day and read a book if I want, go fishing along the beach, snooker running, <laughs> Atlantic Ocean snooker running, baby. Yeah, that's those are fun. Water warmed up. Water bumped right up close to 80 finally. I don't I don't swim till 86, but it's it's getting close. And other stuff starts running, Pompano run, tarpon come down the coastline. We're going to get a, a big thing called the mullet run, and, and that'll be a lot of fun. But April is April is just this huge, you know, this change thing. And, and, it, and it, for me personally, it's kind of a time that I stop and do what I call looking around. I, I recommend people with boats do that. I, I've written stories where, where we all just forget to look around. We, you, you need to do that because we live in an absolutely uh, beautiful place. Um, fishing, random thought. Oh yeah. Yeah. The perfect fishing day is far and few between. Um, I know it sounds like when I was guiding, I fished probably 300 days a year. Some of those were doubles. So I don't know how many times a year I fished. It was a lot. And, uh, but I enjoyed it. I mean, being a guide, as I mentioned last week, is a very tough thing, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, but the perfect fishing day is really, really rare. It just is. And it, and it, conjures up stories in the back of your mind, those of you that fish, that are never going to go away and are being retold over and over again ad nauseum. <laughs> it depends on who you're talking to. Uh, a friend of mine up in Kentucky uh, caught a tarpon while trout fishing with a popping cork and managed to land it at the boat. One of only two that I can ever remember being landed after being caught on extremely light tackle. But it happened. And so every time we're together, that story seems to come up. The more drinking, the more likely it's going to come up. Because it was a phenomenal event. It really was. 
the giant hammerhead shark that ate a giant, um, uh, 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 oh, it's escaped my mind now. Black drum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you tell a story too many times. Uh, I had a kid with a black drum on, nice black drum. Good estimated at 30 pounds, 35 pounds. I mean, he was really struggling. He was on the bow. The kid was about 10, 11 years old. And dad was behind him, helping him hold like the butt of the rod. And the kid was bringing up, we had a run up every year over on the Gulf Coast. You have a run of black drum out in the Gulf. Not very deep, 20 feet of water, 20, 25 feet of water. It, it, it muds the surface. So when you're out there, you just cruise along. All of a sudden, you see this bizarre mud in the water. And it's not from runoff. It's not rain. It's not from, it, it just, you know, because the water's green. And it's like, what is that? Well, what that is, is, is black drum. And they, they love to cruise the bottom uh, they're primarily munchers, bottom feeders, if you will. They're going after shrimp and crabs and stuff like that. Well, they'll mud the bottom, especially the big ones, big schools of big ones. So the kid had one on, and we got it within sight, which is probably eight or nine feet below the water. And a hammerhead shark came out from under the boat. Well, I'm sure he wasn't sitting there, but he came from that direction and ate uh, the black drum in one bite. And... I don't think that little boy, he's probably still not over it. <laughs> he screamed. I mean, he screamed out loud. Dad saw it, of course. I didn't. I was by the console and looked over in time to see the tail. I heard the snap of the line, and that's all it was. He, he hit it, and there was a bang, and that was it. Didn't break the rod, which is a miracle. And, and the little guy didn't let go of the rod, which is a miracle. But, uh, but that little guy, I would imagine that was probably 15 years ago now which would make him about 25 years old, I can guarantee you that fishing story is still being told. And it will be for a long... I mean, come on. Little kid from the Midwest has his fish eaten by a hammerhead shark. <laughs> That's what I love about fishing. We have all these little stories that we will tell over and over and over again. And that's what, uh, that's what makes fishing so cool. I've learned that... Um, there's uh, timing is everything in fishing. I've often said this. There's no luck in fishing. Um, well, okay. I'll give you this. You can wear your lucky hat and your lucky shirt, lucky scarf, lucky bandana, whatever it is you happen to have. By all means, whatever helps you in the mental game of fishing. And believe me, game fishing, mental fishing is definitely there. Or the mental game of fishing is definitely there. But whatever helps you, go for it. I, I have a hat. I love my hat. Uh, I dread it when I lose one because I have to start over and, and, and put the good karma back on a new hat. That's, that's awful, but it happens. The, you know, if, if, if the luck's not working, which it won't, then it comes to the skill, the skill of fishing. And that's where I get back to saying timing is kind of everything. It's important to have the right tides, right winds, right day, weather, there's just so many little pieces that go into making that crazy good fishing day. If if all else fails, it's time to go to the books, videos, TV, uh, YouTube, whatever helps you gather information to help you gain that experience that you need. I realize that a lot of people aren't fishing guides. I'm not anymore, and I don't spend the time on the water that I used to. And I do the same thing that every other person that fishes occasionally once a week, twice a week, once a month. Oh my goodness, I hope not, but that may be the case. Then you have to rely on uh, fishing reports and, and, 
and, and listening to what other people are doing to try to get an idea of where to go and what to do when you finally get out there on the water. And it's hard. It's, it's really, really hard. So my random thought is timing is important. Luck doesn't play a huge part, but if it helps you, by all means, do it. And if you're struggling, break out the books, break out the videos, and, 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 and look at the fishing reports and try to get a grip on it. Get more experience that way if it's at all possible. See, I told you this was going toward fishing. Still is. <laughs> Beach fishing is best. Woo. Okay, that's arguable. I know, I know. But in my experience of growing up in Florida, uh, grow, growing up in Clearwater on, on a beach, yes, beach fishing is best. It's by far and away the easiest. You go to the beach, you get out of the car, Jeep, uh, bicycle, whatever, and you go right out to the beach and you start fishing. No big deal. It really isn't. You can carry a ton of gear if you want to, but I don't recommend it. Probably the second easiest fishing is off a pier. However, you have all the pier people. So there are days when it's like weekdays are pretty calm, but you try to go on a Saturday or Sunday, it's a whole nother ball game. So, but I like beaches. I, I, I still think it's best. I really do. The second best in my book is kayak fishing. Um, I love fishing from a kayak. I didn't think I would enjoy it as much as I do, but I really do. Um, kayak is low impact. Uh, your butt's on the water. So you have a very low profile, much lower than you do at a beach, for example. Um, you surprise a lot of fish that way. You'll come up on a fish that's just just laying on the bottom, just chilling, and there you are. And you'll either blow him out and spook him, or you actually make a cast of the fish and catch it. But I love kayaking, so I, I make that a, a second. Having a boat's a good thing. Can't say it's not. I don't want to ever do it again. Really, I don't. Uh, but boating is, is fine. Uh, I mean, there's an awful lot of cost associated with boats. Um, if you, if you live in a place where you can have one in your backyard, that's awesome. You know, you got a lift in the backyard. You can put a boat right behind the house. Oh my goodness. If that were the case for me, I can be honest with you. You'd never see me except for the price of fuel, <laughs> but I'd be gone a lot. Even if it was just going out for cocktails on the water in the evening to watch the sun go down. Um, I would, I would certainly, certainly be there. Random thought number, whatever it is now, three or four, <laughs> I'm going to lose count. So it doesn't make any difference. Um, spend some time at a tiki bar. Yep. A tiki bar on the beach, preferably do it. Just do it. If you have to drive to get to one, do it. If you, if you're vacationing, uh, be sure to do it while you're on vacation. It doesn't matter if you drink alcohol or not, it doesn't. You can order an iced tea, order a glass of water, order whatever your favorite pop is, just do it that way. Frozen concoctions, uh, virgin frozen concoctions are available at every bar. You can have, you know, I personally, I'm about pina coladas with a dark rum on top. That, to me, that's a beach tiki bar drink. So, so I'm not talking about going to the tiki bar and you have a beer or you have a, a martini. <laughs> you can do that. But you need to also order a beachy drink. And all you got to do is ask the bartender what their beach special is. What, what do you have? And they'll, you know, like, what do you, what do you serve on a coconut? <laughs> That's really what you're looking for. Have fun. It's fun to go to the, for me, going to the beach tiki bar is fun because there's always somebody at the bar who strikes up a conversation who's not from around here. And they're dying for information. So it's easy to have a conversation with them because they suddenly realize you live here and you know where all the good places are. And you can start sharing that information with them. 
They eventually find out that you are a, quote, retired fishing guide, and the conversation gets, well, you guessed it, right back to fishing again. So, But, but visit a tiki bar. It's, it's certainly worth it. And have a tacky tiki bar drink. One of my random thoughts for today will probably become a full um, podcast. And I, it, may, it could be next week if I don't if I don't think of anything else, or I've got notes written down. But this particular thing, uh, for me, is a big deal now that I'm away from being a guide and that I can actually travel Florida on weekdays, weekends, whenever I want. Quite frankly, uh, whenever I can break my wife away from her job, um, go inland every so often and see Florida. Okay, so. That's the random advice, if you will. Go go inland and see Florida. There's a lot of Florida between the beaches. You know, it, we uh, Florida is often thought of as coastline. So we have the Gulf of Mexico, the Panhandle, which of course is still the Gulf, the Florida Keys, which is partially Florida Bay and the Atlantic Ocean, and then of course the Atlantic side all the way up to Jacksonville. And most people think of Florida in those. That's how they think of Florida. You know, it's like I'm going to whatever beach it might be. Think of that. I mean, there's like 1,200, 1,500 miles of shoreline around here. Um, you know, a lot of beach to cover. However, there's about 1,900 times that in the interior. <laughs> and interior gets ignored except for maybe Orlando. If you got kids, you know, you've done the Disney World thing for sure. Um, it, well, not for sure you're going to one way or another. Um you know, but you have all this interior place, these these interior places, and and one thing that I like about the the interior of Florida are the spring states, the states that have the natural springs in them, uh, Lake County and and North all the way up in the very center of the state, uh, where the Crystal River uh, starts and dumps out toward the Gulf of Mexico, Homosassa Springs up in those areas, and then even further inland than that, and and they are incredible to visit. They're incredible to hike around. Um, honestly, I just don't think there's anything better um, than others standing on a beach. I mean, I love a beach, love sand in my toes, um, or is it toes in my sand? Something like that, however the song goes. <laughs> Everybody there goes, you yeah, know, we've heard that song a thousand times. Anyway, the interior of Florida is gorgeous. As you move north, the fauna changes. You have huge giant oaks and uh, Spanish moss and things like that on the interior sides. And you actually have real, honest-to-God, hills. No, they're not mountains. They're hills. <laughs> uh, where the Bach Singing Tower is in, in Lake Wales, Florida, is one of the highest points in Florida. There's this ridge that runs down the middle of Florida. It's, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous to drive around. You have huge orange groves. Um, you know, it's just something that I think... Most Floridians, so if you're listening to this and you live here, you've missed it. You really are. Um, it's, a, it's a great place to visit. One, one on recent trip, not well, it wasn't really recent. It, was, it feels like it was recent, was uh, to the Three Sister Springs in Citrus County. Um, Three Sister Springs is a, is a, a cutoff spring uh, near the Crystal River area. And you, you can literally be dropped off in front of it on one of the guide boats, or your own if you have it, but the guide boats will take you there. You put on your mask and snorkel and you swim up the creek into the Three Sister Springs area. It is one of the most beautiful, breathtaking things you've ever done. If you really, if you love, if you like snorkeling and swimming and you want to see, you want to be in like crystal clear water, 
uh, with turtles and manatees and fish and all kinds of things around you. That is a, that's a spectacular thing to do. So just a recommendation. Get out there and give it a try. It, it's, it really is very, very uh, beautiful. Back to fishing. Tarpon fishing has begun on the west coast of Florida. Well, it's always going on in the Florida Keys, so we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. The west coast of Florida has migrating tarpon. Tarpon, they have, well, they have residential tarpon. They have what I call backwater tarpon, tarpon that hang out there year-round. They're small, small-ish, still an absolute ton of fun. Those of you who are familiar with ladyfish, it's a ladyfish on steroids. Um, they'll be, oh, small. They'll be 14, 15, 16 inches up to 45 inches in length, you know, a really big one. They grow up there. Um, they, they tend to hang out in those waters in the wintertime uh, as they mature and they grow and they eat more and they get larger. And eventually they, they join the roving schools of tarpon off of the Gulf Coast shores. These tarpon come up out of the Keys. Uh, this time of year start migrating north as, as the weather warms. Actually, I'm not so sure. I've never been real sure about whether, uh, whether I felt it was warming or whether it was just actually the sun stays up longer, longer days. And I think that both play a part in tarpon. Speaking from experience, not scientific here, just from observation. Um, but usually around March, they'll start marching north. I had no pun intended. And they will, I'll hear the first reports will happen for me down south around off of Marco and Naples. You'll, see, you'll hear the guides down there. They'll show a picture or two. Look, look what we got. And a full-size adult tarpon got hooked. You know, while, Usually while they were out doing something else, they were out in the Gulf on a rock pile, a wreck, uh, 30, 40 feet of water, and they were grouper snapper fishing, and bam, they get a, a nice tarpon. That's a sign that they're about two to three weeks out from the um, Fort Myers Beach, Bonita Beach area. And then they move up, and uh, it's still not real clear on why they congregate in that area the, south of Sanibel, off the Sanibel of uh, Boot heel, heel, if you will. You got the uh, Sanibel shaped like a boot, so off the heel, you you have a high concentration of tarpon in that area. Again, observation tells me that it has to do with trapping bait. You know, we get an absolute ton of threadfin herrings at that time of year there, and uh, they they congregate in mass schools, and tarpon love them. They just absolutely love them, filet mignon, and all they got to do is open their mouth and swim through them. Pretty much, that's how many there are. Um, and I think the tarpons stay there for a while. I think it, just the food is abundant. There's no reason to leave. There's no reason to go anywhere else. So they can be caught from the shoreline, literally from the beach, uh, off of Fort Myers Beach and South Benita Beach and all the southern beaches of Sanibel. Um, and then kayak is fun if you get the right weather, of course. Boating is sensational. And... Uh, the concentration for me was always in seven or eight feet of water or 25 to 30 feet of water. I didn't, there wasn't, didn't seem to be a lot going on in between there. You'd see one roll every now and then, but the higher concentration of tarpon were in a little deeper water off the coastline, not very far out. And then right up at the coastline, right off the beaches in seven, eight feet of water. A lot of it depended on water quality and color. Um, tarpon, I had better luck with tarpon in water that wasn't real clear. I liked it to be a little bit cloudy or a little colored, and then you would do better. And again, sort of like the black drum I mentioned earlier, looking for muds was really important with tarpon. When you get inshore and you start to see disturbance in the water, milkiness, that's usually tarpon in the spring. 
working close to the bottom or just swimming because they're so large. Their, their tails kick up the mud. So um, best bait is threadfin herrings. You don't have to throw a net. You can use a thing called a sabiki rig, which is a long piece of fishing line that has about six tiny little hooks hanging off of it. You stick a weight on the bottom of the sabiki. You put it on a regular rod, tie it to fishing line, drop it down to the bottom, and bounce it a few times. If there's threadfin herring anywhere nearby, they'll they'll hit it. So will Spanish mackerel and snapper. <laughs> they love to break those things off, so be aware of that. You, you need several sabiki rigs if you're going to try to get bait that way. But threadies seem to really work, and um, there's nothing more exciting. I mean, there really isn't. The, the first time you hook one and it comes screaming out of the water and it's as big as you, uh, it, it, it's just, I can't begin to tell you what it's like. That first 30 seconds is probably one of the most amazing things you'll, you'll ever do uh, while fishing. Okay, more fishing. <laughs> By special request. <laughs> I, know, I like seven or eight notes this past week. Do more fishing. Well, I mean, come on, y'all. I like talking about other stuff too, but I'll do, I will do this since it's random thoughts. Um, I, I like to snook fish and I like to redfish, especially from a kayak. Um, sea trout. Yeah. As a draw, as a, as a, not a drawback. That's the wrong word as a bounce back. I mean, see, there's nothing wrong with sea trout and there's plenty of them right now. So by all means go after them if you can. And you know, if you got family, you want, put dinner on the plate on the west coast you're going to kind of have to go with trout because a lot of areas of snook and the reds are closed um so but my favorite thing outside of all that are jacks and i think jacks are one of the most highly underrated fish and that's what i want to talk about for a second jacks have been just maligned and it's not nice <laughs> they are a fantastic game fish um they will out pull the other two the red and the snook without question um, they're not quite as bad as a snook as far as the bushes are concerned, but they will do it to you. They'll run into the bushes when caught. I'll put an eight to 10 pound jack up against most other fish that folks go after on both the West and East coast. I, I love jack fishing. Um, the Carvalho Jack, I'll give you the whole name there so you can look it up. Um, in the Florida Keys, they get huge. They get huge on the Gulf coast. Um, I can't really remember. I'm trying to remember the largest one that I ever weighed on a boga was 20 pounds, 21 in a smidge on a 30 pound boga grip. And that was a whole lot of jack. And it broke the guy, it broke the rod tip, but he still managed to get it in. Uh, it was caught in the Caloosahatchee River. Um, they're big ones in the river, <laughs> really big. You go all the way up to the I-75 area, the Orange, Orange River, I-75, the trestle up in that area. There's some monster jacks up there. There are some really huge jacks in Estero Bay, too. However, they're very, very close, typically close, to the uh, beach. So inside a new pass, Big Carlos Pass, uh, kind of like that. Um, I, I like uh, sight fishing them. I like going after jacks when they are schooled up. Uh, back in the day when I was guiding uh, in the northern end of, of Estero Bay, when you start to get up to where it's no longer a bay and just turns into like feeder creeks, runs up toward Moolock Creek and those areas, uh, Horseshoe Keys, uh, Rocky Bay. There's a bunch of areas up there. The flats up there are broad. Uh, they're about two feet deep with good water. They can be as skinny as a foot or less when at a low tide. Um, the jacks come up in there in schools of, oh, I don't know, 15 to 30 fish easily, sometimes more. 
And they cruise those flats looking for fish, for bait. And when they find it, they explode all over it. And it's impossible to miss. <laughs> First of all, the water's busting out in front of you somewhere. You know, you look out and you see, whoa, what is that? Looks like somebody turned on a mix master. And then above them, you see birds. You'll see the terns, the, which are the white gull-like birds. And then you'll see the ospreys working even higher than that. So it draws the birds. Sometimes it'll draw a dolphin in. You'll see dolphin finning on the outside edge of the flat, waiting for those big jacks to drive the fish to them. One of the best things about jacks is you don't need any fancy tackle. Um, I like to throw soft plastics, something that was shaped like a little fish, you know, uh, on a jig head. You need a little weight because you 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 got to have some distance in some cases, and you toss it out. And you don't have to be horribly accurate. It's nice if you can throw like if you see moving jacks, they'll be at a point. They'll, you'll see like a like a giant triangle going through the water. So there's a tip of the point. That's usually, honestly, that's the biggest ones. That's the one all the other jacks are following is the big daddy. If you can lead them and manage to get that sucker hooked, that's going to be a party, but that doesn't always happen. The good news is you can throw in the middle of jacks and get a hookup. Um, I also uh, fished a lot of amateur anglers, new anglers to Florida, and, and I would use a popping cork, take a cork, put a jig on the end of it, and put an artificial shrimp on, either a gulp or tie on a DOA shrimp, and throw that right in the middle of them and then pop that cork like crazy. So basically, they would think that the fish, their friends, are smashing the surface, chasing, and they'd see that shrimp and attack it. That, that thing worked like a charm. So nothing real fancy to, to get the action going. But one thing's clear, when you get hooked up, you're going to know it. That's the best thing about a jack. And they will stay in the area for hours, you don't have to worry about it, you know, petering out or quitting or having to go hunt somewhere else. You can do it till you get tired of it. Back to those fishing stories, my friend Salty Cracker and I, man, we spent a whole afternoon chasing one school in the north end of Estero Bay. I don't know how many we caught. I really don't. I just know that most everything we threw at them, they ate. And, uh, and they were all pretty good size. Uh, the smaller ones were probably three or four pounds, and we caught several that were in the six to eight pound range. So, you know, don't malign the jack yeah go after it when you can they're they're a great sport fish they really are they're great last random thought <laughs> get you some stone crabs all right by the time you listen to this it's almost over stone crab season runs from the middle of october october 15th through may 1st I'd like to make that clear it does not end on may 1st it doesn't end on midnight of uh, April 30th. It actually goes to through May 1 and ends uh, midnight on the 1st. So technically it's closed on the 2nd. Does that make sense? Sure. So get you some. They're fresh. Uh, best place in the world if you're on the West Coast is head down to Everglades City and down in that area. Uh, Pinchers Crab Shack is notoriously good at getting fresh stone crabs up in the Fort Myers area and, and north of that, of course. On our coast, most anywhere, we get them right out of the Florida Keys daily. So just about any of your seafood shops on the East Coast, I'm partial to Sea Salt Seafood is the name of the place. They have they almost always they always have fresh ones, but it's over at the end of the month. It's not that they couldn't be sold if they already have them. The problem is is they don't keep that you don't freeze them. They're cooked. They're already cooked. So when you get them, you take them home, you crack them, and you dip them in the delicious mustard sauce and have at it. So you're the window is closing, um, and you've got, by the time you listen to this, you'll have just barely two weeks 
So get yourself some stone crabs. It's a local harvest. It's a re- renewable harvest. It's very interesting. The crabs are not killed to take the claws. It's, this is very rare. The claws are broken off. They have to be of certain size. The crab is released, and guess what? Grows the claw back. Um, plentiful this year. It's been a very good year for stone crab. Uh, and, you know, it's if you haven't had it, it's a delicacy. It ain't cheap. I'm not going to kid you. It's expensive. Um, crazy. 30-something dollars, $39, $40 a pound right now, which means you get about six claws. <laughs> but you ha- if you have not tried it, you really should. I'm a, a crab fan. I love blue crab, Dungeness, and, and, of course, Alaskan Kings, things like that. But there's really, in my opinion, nothing finer than stone crab. So grab you some. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you taking the time to tune in. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell a friend and share it on social media. Catch You Outdoors, hosted by Anchor and available via Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Our Facebook page is Catch you Outdoors. Website, catchoutdoors.com. Until next time, get outdoors and enjoy. Enjoy.